Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Mr. Anthony Mindell. 
is a writer, a producer, a director, and an actor. And he, he's written his first screenplay, his first feature, uh, I'm sorry, his first feature screenplay, The Wonder Girls, won a grand prize winning feature screenplay in the Slam Dance Film Festival screenplay competition in 2007. The film is later for production in January of 2012 in Berlin, apparently. Anthony's acting class recently was voted the best scene study and cold read studio in Los Angeles by Backstage Magazine. Mindell's other filmmaking credits include producing and directing a number of short films, and he wrote and directed the award-winning 35mm short Ready, OK, which was a finalist in the Planet Out Short Film Awards in conjunction with the Slam Dance and Miami Gay and Lesbian Film Festivals. The film was sold to MTV's logo, Network is part of their ClickList Best in Short Film Series and is now on DVD as part of the series First Out 3. Mindell wrote, directed, produced a TV pilot with actors at his acting studio. It was nominated as Best Pilot at the 2010 Banff World Television Festival. The idea has since been expanded into a feature film called Birds of a Feather with Olympia Dukakis and Bruce Village and Trevor Donovan and Lindsay Hollister, and is currently making the festival rounds. And in just one season of producing and directing plays, 2003 and 4, his first three productions, Swimming in the Shallows, Best Comedic Direction, nominated by L.A. Weekly, Dogs Barking, Best Direction, uh, nomination by L.A. Weekly, and The Dead-Eyed Boy, based upon the play by uh, Junebug scribe Angus McLaughlin, and named one of the top ten productions in Los Angeles Theater in 2003. All earned unanimous critical praise playing to sold-out audiences across Los Angeles, and his first book, At Left Brain, Turn Right, is scheduled to be released in January 2012. It's a must-read book, i got to tell you that. Now, without any further hesitation, I've managed to make my way through um, the introduction, just barely. Let me bring Anthony on. How are you doing, Anthony? <laughs> wow. Uh, thank you. Welcome. Um to all your listeners, and with that kind of introduction, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. But yes, here I am in LA. Uh, thank you for all of that. That's how that was a mouthful. You know what? I am so glad that you're here. I, I want to tell the listeners, and, and I have mentioned this before, but that last November, uh, a friend, Katzinger Poe, ever invited me to the uh, Universal NBC Talent Showcase, which you directed, and it was in Hollywood, and I went, yep. and uh, not only did they have fabulous food, but it was a fabulous evening of entertainment. Uh, I was really impressed with, with everything from how, how the actors uh, acted, and, and but the theatrical presentation, the staging, the, the musical number that was presented in the beginning. I mean, it was a very, very wonderful evening. Uh, not only that, but the, the folder of the actors, you know, the... the uh, the the, uh, the the bio kits I can't think of the word. Oh I'm right, thinking. yeah. Like the little press kits for it. Yeah. We, we, everything was really really well done, Anthony, and I was so impressed. And and I, I said I got to have this guy on my show, and that's how we met. That is how we met. Uh, wow. And uh, since then, I was right. I think the night after I met you, I was going to Poland for my movie. Um, did I tell you that? I don't remember if I had told you that or not. No. Well, I remember you said that you were going to travel, and then when now in my intro I said something about. You know, your movie slated for Berlin. Is that correct? Well, I mean, it's just January. Right. I mean, that, that would be like right around the corner. That's a little nerve wracking. But we're actually, it's like pushed till the spring. But um, oh, okay. yeah, but all things are moving but forward. So, 
I went no. Okay. This is for the movie that I just finished. Uh, it's called oh, the, the, okay. the movie Birds of a Feather. So it, it was just selected to be a part of this new program called Gotham in Progress, which is um, it's an event for upcoming American indie uh, U.S. indie filmmakers, and they basically put American filmmakers work in front of European buyers and distributors. So all the major European buyers were there. And, um, you know, we, we got to screen the movie and it was really well received and there's some interest from some European companies. And so we'll see kind of what the next step is, but it was exciting to share it with, you know, a European audience. And, uh, now hopefully we're going to get it out on the festival circuit now in the new year. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So I met you. I don't remember what the date was in November, and the next day you went to Poland. How, how long did how long did you end up staying in Poland? Uh, I was just there for like a week, not even a week. Oh. The event was, I mean, it's called the American Film Festival, and they they it's more than a week long. But I I was just in and out for a few days. Oh, very cool. Now the the other thing that's been pushed to the spring which is 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 that taking place in berlin as as i as i read yes that's a that's a different that's a completely different project that was the project that that's just that's just a screenplay in other words i wrote the screenplay for that story and it won some writing awards including the slam dance award that you mentioned and you know we've been trying to get it made for the last five years i mean it, it really to all your listeners, it just goes to show you that when people say it, it takes 10 years to make a movie, it really, <laughs> if you would have asked me that five years ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, we're making, after I won that award, I thought we'd be making it, like, you know, by the next year. And, you know, five years later, it's it really has taken a village to really get the momentum and the resources and the people involved in order to, you know, make this kind of come to life. But it's interesting that, and this is not even a huge budget. It's like $6 million, which is a lot of money. But so it's, it really is something to marvel at when people can get anything made. I mean, anything, and especially something of quality and something, you know, that matters. And it's just not easy. So hats off to, you know, fellow filmmakers who, you know, at the end of the day are getting their projects made because it's just, it's just, it's quite the journey. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is amazing. You know, one of the things that opened my eyes was nowadays you can get uh, a lot of screenplays uh, free on the Internet, or you can pay for them. You know, oh, you but, can? Uh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, you, or are they good? Would. Pardon me? Are they good? Are they like, are they people, there are people oh, just no, no, trying to sell their scripts? Oh no no no! I, don't, I, I mean, you you probably could get scripts that way. I, I mean, you can get like whatever the blockbuster movies are. Oh get, right 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 yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah yeah yeah. And one of the, one of the things that amazed me was I went through and and somebody had a whole bunch of them, so I went through and started looking at them, and they would have, you know, four or five copies of the same script, and I went, why would you have four or five copies? Well, it turned out they were four or five drafts. Oh yeah, certainly. And, yeah. and so I would go, wow, let's go back and see where the first draft was written. And it might have been written 20 years before the film was made, somewhere mm, yeah. 10 years, somewhere 16 yeah. years. And it was just amazing to see how many films 
you know, that that opened tomorrow or opened last week, you know, actually took this a five, long six, time, eight, yeah. journey to get to the screen. So, well, it's uh, also they say there's the movie that you there's the movie that you've written, then there's the movie that you like. There's three movies in one. There's the movie that you've written, the movie that you shoot, and then the movie that you end up with. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and from my own personal experience, just finishing my first project, like that's definitely seeing that you know that whole uh, process unfold was also. I think that's really true. It's like the the movie we ended up with is not the movie that I had written, you know. So, yeah, that's that's fascinating. Do you um, what what, what's going to happen with the movie in the spring? Well, well, I mean, we're 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 of course it's always about the finances. So we're dealing with the financial aspect now. We have some of the money, and we're hoping that. we're needing a couple more pieces of the puzzle to come together, but um, we have a couple, we have some name talent attached and we have some interest from some other people and a lot of things are pointing in the right direction finally. So, so if all goes well, we're hoping to be in pre-production by the spring. So, um, so yeah, it's an amazing thing of, of how it, it takes five years, and then all of a sudden it can come together in like a matter of a couple of days. So uh, that's you know we're optimistically marching forward. Wow! Now, are you producing and and or directing or? Yeah, I'm directing. You know, I really, I mean, I I really only became kind of you know I just started writing out of necessity. I never really thought that I was a writer, and I'm I'm thankful for the gifts that and the discoveries that I've made along the way that I, I guess I have a voice as a writer, but I just started writing because when I, you were reading my resume there, I, I first started with a theater company here in LA and was directing a number of plays that were really well received. And, and then I decided, you know, I, I really wanted to move into filmmaking and I realized nobody was going to hire me because I was a theater director. Um, so I just started I That's, that was my first screenplay, the one that won those awards. Wow. And, wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was the, my first experience, and and it came really easy to me. I wrote it in like three days, and um, wow. that has not been the process since. And <laughs> all the things that I've written have taken okay, a long so time. Can somebody, but, somebody like rub your arm? Will it rub off? I mean, yeah, no. I wish. I wish it were always that easy. But it's a story that I'd wanted to tell for. I, I've carried that story around with me for like 15 years. So. Um, it's based on the true story of what happened in communist East Germany in the 1970s and, and um, based on the women's swimming team there. And I was a competitive swimmer. So I had always kind of, I always thought this would be an amazing story and nobody, uh-huh. has, you know, so that it just, I guess it came to me because it's something that I, you know, cellularly kind of walked around with for so long. But um, I don't remember what my point was, but Anyway, so um, yeah, so I just started. To, uh, yeah, I, I, I write it. I wrote because I realized, well, I'm going to have to write and direct my own stuff until somebody sees that I can. You know, my skills are working with actors. So until somebody can see that I know how to work with actors, I guess I'm going to have to to do my own stuff. So that's kind of what happened. Well, it's amazing because I think I have a, a love hate relationship with the age I live in. You know, I, I'm uh, an old old film buff, studio buff, you know, 30s and 40s fan kind of thing and, and have, you know, glamorized that. I came up through the 70s and 80s, you know, and today, I mean, which at that time 
I always thought of it as a, as a hugely rough time uh, because the studio system had ended, which I don't know that that would be any easier or worse, but, you know, based on my, my thinking, um, the studio system had ended shortly before my involvement. I mean, the last of the contract players at Universal was still in 19, I think, 76 with Monique James, and, and then that was phased out. Um, so everything became truly independent, you know. You, mm-hmm. You really, you know, but you couldn't buy raw stock unless you had a lot of money. So you couldn't make your own movies. You know, videotape hadn't even come about where it was consumer uh, effective at that point. Now, anybody can make a movie. Now, you know, you can do it digitally. You can edit it. You can score it. You can do the whole thing in your garage. Uh, you can you do a complete animated film, never have to see the light of day. And, and it's the people like yourself who say, you know what, in order for me to do what I want to do, you know, I, I have to produce content. You know, so I'm going to write a screenplay. I'm going to make a movie. You know, I mean, and that's what's cool about this day and age is that anyone now has the opportunity to actually uh, make an inroad. And it's not easy. It's still tough. You're competing against, you know, major, you know, dis, you know, a, a few major distribution channels and all that kind of stuff, and against the studios. But uh, at the same time, because anybody can do it, not everything is very good. Yeah, that's that's the uh, rock and the hard place, isn't it? Right. So I think it, yeah. Go, go ahead, ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I think in many ways that's the challenge because it waters down um, maybe the the creative sort of. I don't know. That's a, it's a very it's challenging because um, yes, we have the the means to 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 create have become you know it's easier to do that. But I think I think the bottom line is is. No matter what, it's about story because story is the star. And if you if you have a really good story, and obviously the acting is so important, but I, I mean I think people can uh, sort of forgive production values if you have a really good story. You know, especially if you look at like some of really truly like the Maverick, like even in the early '90s, like real true independent filmmakers of that time, like some of the production values of their movies are not you know. Uh, the greatest, but if you have a really great story and really great acting, like we we want to follow that journey. So, I think that's the challenge. Is I think sometimes maybe people have ideas that aren't really maybe fully fleshed out stories, um, and also just like the the genre or the style is also really important. And what I mean, I I don't think it's I think you have to tell story because you really are really dying to tell story. You're passionate to be a storyteller, not just because you want to sell it and make paranormal part 10 or whatever. No offense to like, you know, but like, I think for me, I'm really interested in telling story, but I also have found like, I I know you saw the the trailer for my movie that's not yet released, but you know, it's a screwball comedy. And I've, I've come to find out that screwball comedies are, I mean, when was the last time you saw a screwball comedy, Rex? I mean, like maybe Bridesmaids, but that was, but that was the exception. And like the last time was maybe like the 1970s, you know, and I don't even think Bridesmaids is really necessarily a screwball comedy, although I thought it was hilarious. But so it's been, it's interesting of, of finding a voice and finding an audience for something that is, you know, unique or original, and and you're hoping other people are going to respond to it. I think you know, it, it's. I'm just piecing this thought together, I guess, frankly. So bear with me for a moment. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with you. The story is is important, and I think performance is right up there with story. I think audiences will forgive picture quality and lighting and a lot of the the video or the the cinematic things. I also think sound is critical because oh yeah. Absolutely. 
but uh, and and I think that who was it? It was um, Louis C.K. who sold his you know his stand-up routine on his website. And, oh yeah, I just read about that. You know, it cut out the middle person, which is great. But I mean, yeah. you, know, you know, it's great for all of us. But then the thing you have to that I stop and go, wait a second. He's already named. You know, he's mm-hmm. got a demand. He, people want his product. He can do that now. If I put something out tomorrow, and nobody knows who I am. I'm not going to have the same necessarily the same level of success. So what it makes me stop and think when you mention like a screwball comedy or something like or a genre that that you know is uh, very niche and 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 hard that that that's when now you know putting putting the 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 right name in it is going to make a big difference again. Well, maybe. I mean, I think like we are, you know, I'm working with a a big PR firm here and, you know, depending on the festival circuit, like, you know, we have some ideas for stories that I'm really excited about to, you know, get get some publicity behind it. But I also think like the exciting thing about the time that we're living in technologically is that, you know, with the internet, there's many different ways to drive a, a sort of a movement or an energy behind something. So again, I think if you have a good product, like people will respond to it. I'm really excited about releasing the trailer because, you know, I've only shown it to a few people, but right. you know, the response has been really positive and it's really funny. And so, you know, you, I think for any kind of filmmaker that maybe doesn't have a star attached or doesn't, it doesn't have a huge budget and, or doesn't have the resources to do a big marketing or publicity campaign or advertising campaign like i think you know that's when the internet becomes your tool and um social networking and you know i mean that is one thing that i think is really benefiting filmmakers from let's say 20 years ago you know so because the craziest things get you know get kind of a, a momentum or a buzz about them i'm always trying to figure out how to get a buzz 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 like that's the thing like i think on youtube you have to, it has to be with a cat it has to be like a cat video so my assistant eric is always telling me just put cats in your movie or let's just do a little cat <laughs> make things with cats and then you'll get 30 million hits right but, right i mean I don't know. I mean, uh, this is off topic, I guess, but uh, what does it mean to get 30 million hits? You know what I mean? Like, to, to those people who made cat videos and they have 30 million hits, I mean, do they are they making the next, you know, big movie? I don't know. I don't know if sometimes those things don't necessarily translate into anything meaningful either, but I guess my point is, is if you're doing your work and you just got to get it out there and, you know, have faith that, that there will be an energy and a and a and a response to it. Well, I, I and I, I, uh, I appreciate so much what you've said, and I think in in kind of just taking this just a, a couple sentences extra long, um, is that uh, the thirty million hits. My, I guess my my opinion on that is that it. If it's a one-shot wonder, it's like having, you know, the you know, you go into an office with a screenplay. They go, great, this is good. What else have you written? You go, I haven't written anything else, you know. Or you, the the musicians who have that one hit song and right. they never do another one. I think that if it's accidental, if it's like your cat did something, and and then that goes viral, and you get these thirty million hits, nobody does anything. But if you've manufactured a video. Um, and, and there are these people on YouTube where they manufacture, they continually produce content, and they do well-crafted 
uh, entertainment and kind of then they get sponsored and then they oh, right that's true about, you know so there right. so there is that avenue if you're if you're a content maker as opposed to somebody who haphazardly found something funny um, that that there are avenues on the internet and and one of the things that that you made me amend my thinking as I was fashioning it over the whole Louis C K thing is that. Um, Word of mouth. I mean, you're right. right. The movie could come out, and the word of mouth could be so cool and so uh, so good that that it carries it. It has a life of its own um, because of the internet and because of working the internet, and because of the, the social interaction. And I and I do believe that with crowdfunding and a lot of these things, that people really do invest not just money, but I mean, they invest a little bit of themselves in some of these projects, and they want to see people succeed. And um, in many cases, and if they can help it, they will. Yeah, I think with with you know um, grassroots programs like Indiegogo or Kickstarter, you know they that is public funding. And um, now you're totally right. I didn't even think about it in, in those terms. You know, like for me, I'm I'm more interested in. I mean, my my desire is to continue working with actors in telling story. I mean, that's what we're doing uh-huh. at the studio. So. For me, I, I'm not interested in just putting up like a cat video on YouTube. Although, you know, for somebody in somewhere that that's exciting for them, that's creating content. I guess, you know, for me, my content is, you know, really working with actors and and getting to tell truth, like really having exploring what is truth and how do you express that in the most humane and human way possible. Um, so. That's that's what gets me excited, and you know what I feel like the work that I, uh, you know, all the work that I'm doing has come out of the studio here. I, I don't know if I don't remember in your intro if you mentioned that I have an acting studio here in L.A., but um, oh yes, you did. So um, so yeah, I mean it's it's exciting. I uh, you know we were talking earlier about uh, uh, dialogue or, or my book about the writing, how the writing feels very real. I guess you said, but. I guess again for me, not, not having ever really written before, and this is certainly my first book. I guess it's I, I, it's no surprise, I guess, because I've been surrounded by actors and and listening to to really great plays for so long that I guess I've picked up on that sort of vernacular and that sort of you know really truthful way that people speak. Does that make sense? So, like, I think like it's it's kind of part of my DNA, I guess, because I've been doing it for so long. And I was like, well, of course I could write it because I'm hearing it. I'm hearing other people do it, you know, so better than me. And so, I guess at some level, I've picked up on it. Well, what I like about your book, and I want to, and I do, I want to turn our attention to acting and your workshops. And let me first say before anything else that you, your website is is your name. It is Anthony Mindell.com. It's A N T H O N Y M E I N D L dot com. Correct. Yes, yes that's correct. <laughs> I need to misspell your name. Huh? Yes, no, that's I, awesome. But I did that by memory, so that's pretty cool. Um, anyway, uh, the book. Uh, at left brain turned right is is uh, is fascinating because it, 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 your voice is a unique voice. It's it's. I was trying to describe to Anthony before what I thought of the book. It's it's and I said it was kind of raw or street like, meaning that it's conversational. It's like sitting down over a coffee shop table and Anthony's going, "Okay, here I got to tell you this," and then there's these anecdotes and stories, and it's all very honest. It just comes through very honest. Uh, plain spoken doesn't doesn't appear to have any airs whatsoever. A I R S. I mean airs. Um, 
I hope not E-R-I-O-R-S. The publisher should have gotten that, or the editor, I mean, but yes. Right. No, I didn't see any, but but the but the but the point is, like for example, I love the story you, you told the story, and, and and I want to touch on it, but the, I do want to get into the to your work with actors in your studio in LA and and uh, and directing. Um, you told the story about uh, one of your first acting gigs on Broadway, where where you were hired to come in, and and the director said, you know, stop acting, essentially. Oh yeah. That was horrible. <laughs> um, it's a miracle that I'm here talking to you today about anything creative because it made me want to, like, uh, you know, fly off the stage, which I did very dramatically, and go run crying in my hotel room and really quit the business. It was I was very young. I was 23, and I, I didn't know anything about acting, and I kind of got the job on a lark. I mean, I, I think the director – you know, it's interesting because – I don't really work this way, but I guess I do now that I see it many years later. Like sometimes directors or producers or casting directors have such an idea in their head of what somebody looks like for a role that they're. And I have actually seen this with some of the the actors that I've coached that have become you know famous actors that they get a job because they they physically look like or fulfill that picture that that the network president is really looking for. So you know, it, it, gosh, it's it's so. Um, it's such an inexact science, you know what I mean? But so maybe that's how I got the job. I don't know. But anyway, I mean, or maybe the guy was drunk when he hired me. I don't know. But I got the job, and that was like a trial by fire experience because I really was a bad actor by my own admission, and I thought I was great at the time, or I thought I was doing it, but I was doing it. I thought I was doing it correctly based on my training up until that point, and I had been trained very method, and so. I was playing ideas of who I thought the character was as opposed to working from myself. Like I didn't even understand how to use myself. Nobody had taught me that. So I was play acting is really what I was doing. I was commenting on it and, and showing ideas of who this person could be. It's this famous Australian play that they actually made into a movie in the nineties uh, with Russell Crowe called the Some of us. Um, but anyway, so that was just a horrific experience because you know, but ultimately a good experience in the sense that it really kicked my butt and I, you know, I was so close to quitting, but it also made me put my feet in the ground and and think, I've got to figure this out. I've got to, like, get to the bottom of why am I a bad actor? And, you know, I don't, I don't think I ever want to be embarrassed like that again. It was very, it was, I mean, yeah, so I, I, am I making any sense? Like, I mean, so that was my first sort of, you know, okay. you know, being thrown into the the mosh pit of like, you know, creativity and and coming out barely alive, but but also it really kind of put me on this journey of there's got to be another way, and I'm missing something, and I want to be more free and more alive and more in the moment in my acting, and 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 let it be, uh, you know, on coming from a place of unknown unknowingness and and spontaneity and instinctualness and i didn't have any of those tools because i didn't even think that they were tools that were teachable but but that is what i teach now and i and i see it every week that you can move from an actor who thinks about acting and plays ideas to an actor who does and or at really an actor who just is and so it's very exciting and that kind of you know put me on my on my path i think can you share some of what you discovered that you now teach? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really simple, Rex. I mean, like, I when people come to me, or, or I guess, you know, my the book is, so you were mentioning that story, and so I'm really excited about the book because it's not just for actors, but, also, but, but certainly for actors, I right. think they're going to find it to be one of the most exciting, I think, books about acting because, I mean, every time I pick up an acting book, it's about what is your objective and what's your through line and what is your uh, motivation and what is your character arc and these conceptual theoretical terms that we've had for many, many years, which which are great and, and are needed at some level. But my book, it's not about that. And I actually have come to discover that knowing those things and knowing how to play those things ultimately doesn't make you a better actor anyway because all that stuff has to be thrown away and you have to learn how to be surrendered to the moment. And so really what I'm, what I'm teaching transcends acting. And so rather I'm using acting as a metaphor to help uh-huh. all people. How do we like drop the masks of acting that we have in our life and just allow ourselves to be more freed up in being who we are? And that is hard for most people because we're not being taught how to express and how to feel and how to share. And when I mean share, like how often do we have emotional things going on in our life and we shut it down or we repress it or we suppress it or we say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, and we bottle it up or we, you know, we find ways of not dealing with it. But what's interesting about life is eventually life is a great social equalizer and eventually it starts to show up in either in, you know, usually in unhealthy ways if you're not dealing with it. So my thing is how do we use acting as a catalyst or creativity as a catalyst to start letting yourself be okay with the emotional stuff that you're feeling in your life? And it's very transformative and it's very powerful. And, you know, I think it really creates some of the most exciting real acting I've ever seen. And that's kind of the reputation that we have here at the studio is it's probably known as the most, uh, truthful work being done in Hollywood, so that is oh. exciting. That is exciting, and, and uh, you know, I went through method acting and different approaches of acting and different things. You know, when I was coming up through the ranks, as you know, uh, I started at three, and you know, blah blah blah. The uh, so much of actor training, and I think so much of the uh, reported actors' studio. Back in the 50s, you know, uh, Shelley Winters said one time that she thought the reason why Marlon Brando hated acting so much was because he spent all of his life in his pain and his misery. And that, that mm-hmm. I remember being in those workshops where, you know, you were pretty much uh, eviscerated. I mean, you, yeah. you, you were cut down You or uh, at, at that time with directors who thought that it was totally appropriate to destroy your ego in order to get a performance mm-hmm. and and there were workshops where you you know some poor student it might have been me might have been somebody else is lying blubbering on the floor <laughs> for hours you know, in, in this yeah. puddle and then the and then the coach goes okay time's up see you next week yeah and yeah we know person, yeah <laughs> so, it seems so 1980s to me in a way, and I, I mean, that's what I, I joke about. Like, it's so indulgent and masturbatory. Can I say that on, on air? Uh, yeah. You know, it's very, you know, who wants to see that? I mean, like, actually, the audience is, is the, it's subjective, and so the audience wants to have the, the emotional experience, not the actor, like, shutting right. it down our throat. So, you know, my thing is, it's just like anything in life. When you really start to break down life scientifically, it's really, and I, I teach a lot from a science, scientific perspective. Like I, I'd like to think of myself as like, you know, a weekend warrior uh, as far as like 
Einstein, you know, quantum physics worth thinking of, but I'm not that smart, unfortunately. I'm reading Einstein for dummies, and it's still too smart for me. Like, I can't figure it out. But, um, but you need a lab coat. I do. No, my you hair sometimes is crazy. People sometimes <laughs> think I'm like the crazy professor. Like, there you go. <laughs> but, um, don't, no, but go ahead. I'm sure. No, I mean, like, yeah, like, actually, we have some of my video, a lot of my videos, because I, I have a blog this year, uh, 52 Weeks and 52 Ways to Change Your Life. That's on my, on our website, but you can go to YouTube and type in my name and you'll see a lot of my video blogs. But, like, that's a lot of the philosophy that I'm teaching are through those, uh, you know, video journals. But I guess my point was, um, I, I, I think that the the idea of acting as, like I said, as the most creative expressions is easier than what we've been taught to believe it is. And so the real work is, though, about, like the application of it is not hard. The, 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 what's, what's hard is that we get in our own way of that part of us that wants to be freely expressed. And that part of us that gets in the way is sort of like our, our conditioned left brain. And that's what I teach. So the left brain is the world of measurements and criticism and judgments. And it's the part that's telling you you're a loser and a failure and you're too fat, you're too old, you're too ugly, you're too this or too that. And it's been operating since you were seven or eight years old. And so that's the part that shuts down the creative impulse. That's the part that keeps you from accessing your creative potential. So for me, the work is for myself and for all the actors that I work with is how do we move from the left brain that wants to keep us from accessing creativity into the right brain, which is play and it's, um, it's joy and it's, you know, being connected into the creative matrix and it's possibility and it's potential. And it's, that's really the domain of creativity. So it's uh-huh. not a hard process. It's just, you have to learn to quiet down one side in order to access the power of the other. So I think the things that we've been taught as actors as far as all those other conceptual things are just sort of window dressing. It's sort of my, my thing is like it's like the emperor's clothes, that for so long everybody's been saying this, it's this one thing, but nobody really wants to say, well, this is actually what it is. Do you know what I mean? Because to say that... It, it almost seems like it's too simple or it's too easy or, but I, I've, I've found in my years of working with people that, that it really does want to be that easy. You know, I, I appreciate again, w- what you're saying. And I, I mean, I agree. I think that so often so many things are, are, Made to appear over difficult for whatever reasons. It's it's in the analogy I will draw is a college education. You know, the closing of the field that you have to have more education now than the person who preceded you just mm-hmm, because. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, you know, and whether or not you can get a job off of that college education now is is questionable. So the same thing I think uh, uh, approaches so many of us in in the creative arts, whether it's writing or directing, or, and to to find a person who can simplify it, who can say, you know what, you don't need 85,000 different steps or you don't have to be dragged, you know, down the street behind a, a moving car, you know, and, and and have your skin flayed off in order to be able to feel things. What you just need to do is be able to do these few simple things that, that get some of the blocks out of your way and open up the channels and allow, you know, I always say yeah. that uh, it's amazing because water, you know, water power has been something that we've known almost 
at some point early in our evolution. And yet you could take water right now. If you just open up a tiny little opening and you force water through that opening, you've got diamonds. You know? mm. it's, it, it, but, but what it requires is the little opening. Mm-hmm. And I think for people, if you can create that little opening in people, you can run amazing things through it. You know, I mean, the creativity can flow through, the uh, living a happy life can flow through, but it's it's first opening that little tiny window. And yeah, I, 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 you know, and you also use the the metaphor of water. I use that a lot. It's analogous to like I think who we are, and we're water to me is this amazing component of where you know we're we're 70% water and so the properties of water is it's expansive and it's it's so it's a shape shifter and it's so we if we're so much more malleable and and moving than than we realize and so you know I think Bruce Lee says you know be water I mean he says like you know it, it's I think that's our natural flowing element but uh, you know I think something that came to my mind about the method or what I find interesting about teaching actors is when it's it's impossible for the application of a one way of doing it being put on top of a hundred different actors because every human being right. is ultimately the same but ultimately also different. And so for me to say this is a method, you have to do this method, I'm putting – I'm, I'm imprinting this method on top of you. Well, you're different than I am, and your needs are different than than mine. And so it can't be that reductive. Nothing is reductive to one way of doing it. And so that's also why I don't have a name for what I do because it's, again, I think it's more fluid and flowing, although there is a science to it. And so the science, to me, adapts to the personality of each person. And so your strengths and weaknesses are not my strengths and weaknesses, but the science of the moment will sort of work on yours in a different way than it works on mine. So that to me is exciting as opposed to saying, well, this is the one way of doing it and now you have to do it. But what happens if it doesn't work for you? Do you know what I mean? That was for me my challenge is I would watch some people in my classes early on in New York City maybe respond to a a very method way of working, whether it's sense memory or something, that that for me, I was just like, this this doesn't work. I don't understand it. it. I don't understand it. So I'm really about helping people know that there's not just one way. You know, the way is your way. And that's 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 the truth about life, isn't it? Like the way is your way and how you your life. You were telling me before we started the conversation about what's taken you to the Midwest. And I mean, your your journey is is part of what's amazing about your life. And that's different than somebody else's. So I think we have to learn how to work with the science of where our journey is taking us. So. A lot of it is about the science of the moment and that there is a science to the moment, but we're so not released to the moment. And I think there, there's actually, speaking of science, I've, I've read a lot of science and heard it on NPR as well, that there's a lot of science behind how our culture is becoming less uh, available to the moment because of technology. So we're constantly, you know, you know, while, you're, while your listeners are listening to this, they're also probably tweeting and Facebooking and sending right. emails and making phone calls. And you know what I mean? Like we are so multitasking that we're not available to really being surrendered to the, to the power of the moment and how we can get activated in the moment in a deeper way. So there's sort of an, a lost art to it, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about teaching it because it really does change people's work and their life. And, and 
I believe it. I mean, I, I agree. It is so. Uh, I hate to use the word refreshing, but it is refreshing. I, I don't mean to make it a cliche thing, but it's so wonderful to hear about positive approaches to life because I do, and 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 creativity because I do think that if um, a person lives a happy and by successful, I don't mean in terms of monetary gain or anything, but they live a successful life. They succeed at finding out who they who are. They are. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. They're uncovering themselves. They almost by default could be a better actor. Yeah. Because because they're authentic. They're they are true to themselves. They are living in the instant and in the moment. Um, people think I'm crazy because you know I have all this problem with technology. I have all problems with computers and phones and everything else. And, and people keep saying, well, you know, you want to go back to the '70s? And I say, you know, in the '70s, living in Los Angeles, I did just fine. I drove around on the freeways and I had to stop and put quarters in these, you know, ancient archaic things that you know you would find in restaurants and gas stations and on the corner in order to call my agent or my answering <laughs> machine. Yeah. And I didn't mind that. I don't, I, you know, I have a cell phone. I don't, I, don't, I would, I don't, if they pass a law and say you can't drive with a cell phone, I go, great. Because right. what I want to go back to is cave drawings. <laughs> Actually, did you see that movie, the, the Cave of Forgotten Dreams? No, I haven't. Oh, Werner Herzog's new movie? You need to see that. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a beautiful I, movie. I, Really, I, I will check into it. But I mean, by what I mean is, there was a simpler time. There was a less, a less complex time. I, somebody texts me. I mean, I hate it. I like. I rather see you face to face. And if I can't, I'd rather hear your voice. Yeah. You're texting me. My daughter texted me from the other room the other day, and I said, "Did you text me in my own house?" And she said, "Yeah." I said, "Don't ever do that again." I love it. Well, I mean, yeah. Listen, I mean, that's hilarious. I love that. But I, I mean, I love the 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 ability to communicate in such a simple way but also you're right it has it does erode our ability to be with people and with ourselves and you know and even though I teach this I've also kind of fallen victim to it a little bit and I've seen how it kind of erodes it kind of steals me from me a little bit and I'm always wondering too like why do we always have to be so checked in like what's happening that that I find that like when I'm driving in LA literally I I don't think I don't see people like if I'm at a, a red light I, I I can't remember the last time Rex I've seen somebody crossing the street or waiting for the light to change without their you know media device in their hand looking at it and doing something with it like people again people don't allow themselves to be they're constantly being connected to something that is meaningless it's just stuff that we're filing away in our head now of course a lot of it is important but I I just I find that you know again the science behind it is that it's become uh, an addiction. And so I think it's when I find myself kind of cutting off from it, I see meaning cutting off from myself. I see myself just like searching something on my Blackberry that, that is really just keeping me stimulated in a certain way, as opposed to breathing and being like here, you know, and yet the, the information that I may be like Googling or whatever is trivial and nonsensical and is nothing that I'm going to retain. It's nothing of, of value really. You know, it's information overload, but I, I do find it, it's going it's an interesting conundrum, I think, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what it does to our culture in the next few years. What, I mean, we're off topic, but. No, 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 I mean, I, I think it's all, I think it's all valid. I was 17, 18 years old, and I, and I met this gentleman who decided he would mentor me, and he scared the crap out of me, to be honest. I mean, he just, he, he freaked me out at every level, and but it wasn't him it was it was my response to him because i could never 
I could never hang my hat on who he was or what he wanted or what he didn't want or what he was doing. And and yet we would be walking down the street, like we'd be walking down Ventura Boulevard in mm-hmm. Street City, in Studio City, I'm sorry, and he'd say, you're missing everything. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, we walked down the street yesterday. Do you know how it's different? And I go, what do you mean it's different? And I said, well, I mean, there's different cars and different people. He goes, no, 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 every moment is changing and you're, oh, missing, wow. and you're in your head. Yeah. And I would go, what? Go, it's not that big different. The buildings are here and, the, <laughs> you know, the racket club is still over across the street and all this kind of thing. He goes, no, 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 you're missing the point. You're, you're, you're so wrapped up in who you think you should be and your parents and this and that. Mm. And, and I'd just freak. And after a while, I'd, I'd run away. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd retreat from being around this guy because he pushed every button, you know. He was a great teacher for you. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was wonderful. And and so I would wow. flee. And then I then three months later, I'd, I'd kind of like you know come back with my tail between my legs, and he'd go, "Hey, how you doing?" And I, it would freak me out even more because he wasn't pissed that I'd left. No. He wasn't pissed that it, uh, He was just like, "Welcome, how's life treating you now?" And and you know, totally. How you're, and I, wow. I was like totally scared of him. I wonder. And, that sounds like my best friend. Like I, <laughs> he sounds like the same person when I kind of started on a spiritual path who introduced me to, you know, meditation. And uh-huh. uh, I was exactly. like, who is this freak? Like, what is wrong with this person? But it was all about, yeah, we're so in our heads, we don't even realize we're in our heads. And we're so in our heads, like you just said, like, I mean, so much of it is about, you know, spinning stories of who we are and what we should be and they're all stories of the ego, you know, and how do I look and how am I going to be perceived and will they like me and am I doing enough? And, you know, I think it's so interesting is being in that space is incompatible with being in the moment. So it really is. I think, though, it's interesting because you were talking about this was in the 70s. Like nowadays, this is more commonplace, this conversation. You know, when I started teaching 10 years ago, the things that I was teaching, you know, I started with six students and I, I think it was – I was trailblazing in the sense that I was using terms that were not, um, they were not part of our everyday vernacular. You know, people were not talking about things like, like we are now, but now everybody, all not just actors, people are talking about the moment and how to be here now. And like, you know, I, I find it so amazing that our culture is fine. You know, yoga, it's just, we're finding you know, we're kind of evolving in that regard as far as our conversations that we're having. So that's exciting, but that makes me laugh because I know I totally get what you're saying. You're like, who is this Buddhist freak? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he did meditate. He was in his Zen, and I mean, he, freak, he just freaked me out. Um, I'm going to have to take a break in a short yeah, second okay. here and, and do his kind of legal station identification. But uh, it's, there's an interesting notion, and I don't think I'm going to do the lip service that it was, and that it, it typically takes – uh, a generation or two for for information to pass and 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 to become part of the uh, common uh, vernacular or common experience of people and it, it it makes a certain amount of sense because you know in the 70s you know, after the drugs and all that kind of thing but the self exploration and the opening up to different philosophies and different religions and the science of uh, the, the the innovations that were made in therapies and all that. Um, I can remember going through the 80s and the 90s and not hearing any of these kind of technolo- t- terms or, or technology or anything, you know, Ram Dass, be here now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, what you just said, the, the, they are part of our vernacular. I can remember, this is going to sound very strange, but, but uh, I teach a technology that, that was big about the notion of rapport. And nobody in the 70s and 80s ever used the word rapport in anything. 
Hmm. Now you hear people say rapport all the time. Uh, but uh-huh. you know, but if it, somebody said in an interview, "Oh yeah, we had good rapport," I would go, "Whoa! How did they know that word?" Because nobody, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was just. You know, but we'd say here are stra- here are approaches for you to develop rapport with people, and uh, and so I was very tuned to it. So it, it, it's it, it, what you're sensitive to. You know, you it, it's kind of like if you get a Volkswagen, then you see all the Volkswagens on the road. And um, right, yeah, and, no, that's and, that's you know, a good point. And if you got a Volkswagen and there are no Volkswagens on the road, you're sensitive to that too. Yeah. So yeah. then when you start seeing the Volkswagens, you're like, oh wow, you know, where'd they all come from? Uh, like yellow, yellow. Do you notice the, the 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 preponderance of yellow cars in the land? And now you're going to see yellow cars. Your listeners are going to see many yellow cars, yellow cars today. Now, yeah. <laughs> but um, let me take a break and we okay. come back. So I want to talk to you. I'm enjoying this so much, and I want to talk more about um, uh, about the approach because. Uh, and I, and I had a thought that I've lost, and hopefully I'll get it back while I uh, while I talk about something else. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official URL is rexsykes.com. It's my name, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. We ask you to spread the word, share the website, share these interviews, and to leave comments both uh, during and after the show. Tweet live, uh, use Facebook, whatever whatever method you can to help us get the word out to other people. You can follow us right there from Blog Talk. You can friend us. Um, and I'm going to ask Anthony in a minute about Twitter and Facebook and things like that. But uh, you can follow me at Rex Sykes Movie BT on Twitter, and uh, you can become a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat on Facebook, and that would be awesome if you do. And uh, just some upcoming guests. This is the last show of 2011, and we're going to come back in 2012. Uh, we got a number of guests. One of our, uh, I'll just tell you a few of them, Colin Ferguson, star of Eureka, Jack Carter, Sheriff, uh, will be joining us. Curtis Smith is first AD, a fabulous wealth of information. Jared Pelletier is a director. He's made a number of uh, short films that are just uh, really, you know, advancing him and exploding. Dory Zuckerman is a casting director. She'll be joining us. The director, David Winning, uh, from Andromeda and Stargate Atlantis and uh, literally hundreds of TV shows. Uh, Kurt uh, Upada, I'm going to say Upada, I'm sorry, Up. Duhan, Abduhan, I'm sorry, Kurt Abduhan, I can never pronounce his name, and I did it better yesterday, Abduhan, uh, he's a cinematographer, and he's going to be joining us, and uh, Betty Jo Tucker, she's a film critic, she will talk to us about, uh, you know, what filter she uses to, to watch movies, she's also an author, so, um, and back now with Mr. Anthony Mindell. And Anthony, you're on Facebook, so people can find you. You have yes. Anthony Mindell Actors Workshop as well. Yes, they can. Facebook as well. I'm 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 Anthony Mindell, and then also there's the the, the Anthony Mindell Actors Workshop like page. You can like us on that page. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter as Anthony Mindell. And you know, if if uh, sadly our Birds of a Feather, we haven't released the trailer yet for the movie, but uh, it's going to be coming out in the new year. Well, we don't. I mean, I, I, if people, you know, and and the book as well, um, both of those things are coming out in the new year. The website for the book and for the movie. So, I guess in the interim, if people want more information or to be on a, you know, a, a sort of a list so that we can uh, let them know about any book promotions and also when the movie's coming out, they can just email us at the website uh, at anthonymindel.com. Um, just email us and let us know that you come to us from from the radio show Rex's show, and we'll we'll put you on our list. Very cool. That's very cool. So um, 
here I, I got my thought back, and that was we were talking about, you know, walking down the street in our head and, you know, somewhere else and, and being, you know, with technology and not completely being present. And I've always thought that a split of attention, a split of concentration was, was part of what made an actor's performance less than glorious. And that, you know, if I'm wondering how I look or if I'm wondering uh, where the camera is, if I'm not into the moment and, and responding with the other person, then then my performance will suffer because I'm not 100% anywhere. And is this is this part of how, uh, when you talk about being authentic and being in the moment, is this part of how you conceptualize it? Can you share with the listener maybe a, a, a few tips or suggestions that they might do to... Uh, uh, to practice while they're waiting to get your book? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that you just hit on about, it is all about being in the moment, and I think some people address that as, oh, well, that's is that that's Meisner-based, or that's some sort of, you know, method-based, but, you know, the moment to me is, the science of the moment has been uh, available to us since the world began, you know, you know, 13.7 billion years ago, when, whatever your belief, when this cosmos was born into existence, it all was created in the moment. And so life is about really living moment to moment to moment to moment. Now, we're so filled with so many things going on in our left brain. Uh, We talked about earlier that really pulls us out of being active in the moment because we listen to our brain chatter. But what's interesting in, in acting is the moments are going by so fast in our work that if you're not surrendered to where it wants to take you, then yeah, you're kind of you're kind of screwed. The, the the moments will beat you up. So what I teach is it's all about active listening. And you know, active listening is something that we can all get better. It's the art of listening, which is watch how often out in the world you just are not when we're talking with somebody for instance if if we're we're on a date or you're meeting somebody or you're going in for an interview how often you don't really listen to what the person is saying you only listen to them as a means to 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 be able to say something clever or you, do you get what I'm trying to get at Rex like in sure. other words I'm kind of hearing biofeedback on the phone so I'm like hearing myself speak oh. in 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 echo, which is really unnerving. But um, so you're basically, uh, we we basically in life don't listen fully. We listen to get information so that we can actually say something clever or say something so people are going to like us or say something so that people will find us attractive or, and so it's not the kind of listening you can get by in your acting. In your acting, it has to be totally surrendered to what you're receiving um, and I think actors get get a little um, they have it backwards because they're they're going to the text. Everything has been taught to us about it's the lines that you say, it's the lines that you say, but the lines that you say come out of what you are receiving. So I'm teaching it just the opposite. It's you're receiving first, and then what you want to say is is organically, naturally going to come out of what you're hearing. This is fascinating, and and how does the actor open themselves up to that so that it isn't uh, predetermined? I mean, well, I mean, it's it's interesting because when actors come to me, a lot of times, especially if they've studied other places, they say, "Oh, well, I know how to listen," and then they discover, "Oh my goodness, I've never really learned how to listen in this way. This is something new." So I think the um, Wait, what was your question? Sorry, I just went off on a... 
no, 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 it, brain it, lap. No, you're doing great. It was it, it was the the notion of uh, how does an actor uh, actually listen without predetermining? I mean, they, oh, they right. know what their script is. How do they how do they become authentic in listening in the in, in, during the, the the moment that they're they're act, they're not well, acting. I mean, part of how we start the training here is that we, I don't allow them to memorize right away because the memorization is what kicks in the control and it kicks uh-huh. in a way of saying it. So, like, generally when we memorize something, we memorize something wrote and we memorize the way we think something should be said. And also, even worse, if we've been trained, if we have any kind of modicum of training, we tell ourselves what an intention is on the line. So we would say, you know, we memorize the line and then we say, oh, I'm angry here or I'm sad here or so we try to put feeling on top of something based on what we think uh, a line should sound like so then what happens is then then when we're actually living it in the scene instead of actually being surrendered to what we're listening to and what we're actually feeling in the moment instead we play ideas we play the memorization we play oh the feeling part that's that's what happens with acting and that's what happens generally that makes actors start acting so what i do is I force the actor to they, – they're not allowed to memorize. So if you're not allowed to memorize, that control mechanism does not kick in. And so instead, you're actually uh, – you're almost flying by the seat of your pants a little bit because it's all reliant upon the listening, which then generates thought based on what you're hearing and takes you to the line. And so what's amazing about not being, quote-unquote, prepared in a traditional way of what we think is preparation, but I actually think it's just control – is that you do the scene one way, and then next week you can come back and you do it again, and because the moments are going to be different, it's also taking you on a different journey. So you begin to see, whoa, the potential of the scene and the potential of myself in the scene is, is changing every moment if I allow it to be where it wants to take me. But that's really scary. Uh-huh. You know, but that's just like life. Life is going to take us wherever it wants to take us. You know, regardless of how much control we think we have, we just we don't have control. So it's it's getting people to relax into the empowerment of what comes out of the moment. As a, you you know, my old acting teacher used to teach me: you can either be controlling or powerful. You can't be both. And I have found that when I'm trying to control things in life, I'm not empowered. So. You're so right. You're so yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I was gonna. Offer, I, 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 this has come up for me in my in my own life with my children. That you know, I would I would say, for example, clean your room, clean your room. You know, I get frustrated they weren't listening to me. You know, and I'm thinking all this stuff. You know, they don't respect me. They don't listen. They don't pay attention. You know, and I would get mad and I go, okay, now you're gonna clean your room. And at some point, you know, somebody said to me, well, you're trying to control the behavior of of children. You know, they are they are these you know wildly innocent, you know, mm. creatures kind of thing. And and on the one hand we go, yes, but this is a social world and we have they have to comply and all that kind of stuff. But it dawned on me that, that my what was going on was that I had an infinite number of possibilities, but I didn't see them because I was interested in controlling them. Yeah. yeah. And I only knew one way to control them and that was to raise my voice or to take something away or to punish them in some fashion. And that every time that this would happen, you know, and for me it was like every time that I would start to get angry, I'd, if if I could remember, okay, I'm trying to control them now, 
then I'm what you said. I'm not being powerful. I mean, I'm being you know bombastic as a as a parent, but I'm not being powerful. I'm not in my power. I'm I'm trying to manipulate a situation to my end, and basically I'm going to lose. <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, I can take things away, but I'm still going to lose. I'm going to have lost my temper. They're going to be upset. The rooms aren't going to be any really better, you know. So what is it that I'm really after? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, this, is, this is a great analogy. I mean, you're really, it's like trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole, right? Like right, it, right. It's really trying to force your way uh, onto something that, that, well, we can control it and we can force it, but it's we, we are robbing ourselves from really possibility and potential and what the moment wants to show us. So... I mean, there is a science to that, and so that is what I'm teaching, is the science of where, it, and that's where possibility comes from, because the moment is coming at you a certain way, and your idea of where the moment is, where you think it's supposed to be taking you, is taking you somewhere else. And if you don't deny the moment and actually surrender to where it wants to take you, that's when you start to access possibility. It's just like life. Like, for me, it's about saying, it's saying yes to the moment. So I have ideas, just like you do, just like all of your listeners do, about where they want their lives to go and what they want it to look like. And yet our lives never fit those mind pictures. They can move in the direction of those pictures. They can be fulfilled in certain ways that are, are close to the, you know, uh, uh, what we envision for ourselves. But the direct line, it never happens that way. And so generally people get stuck or depressed or stop or give up or move back to you know, they're, they're small town and, and stop acting because they let the way something is looking defeat them as opposed to letting it show them, well, let it, let us go this way. Do you get what I'm saying? I really am yeah. hearing myself. I'm hearing my oh, biofeedback. So it's oh, like really weird. Um, so does that make sense, Rex? It's so it's really about saying yes to where the moment wants to take us, even if going down that path seems to be taking us down a, a contrary path than what we had th- than, than what we think in our heads. It, it does make a lot of sense, and, and and what thrills me and excites me about what you're saying is is it, and what thought occurred to me was. Uh, and you and you mentioned it in your book too, and and I think that so many of us get into acting for reasons other than acting or creativity. We get in because we think we'll be popular, we'll get the right person, and you know, attracted into our life, we'll have money or whatever. But but I have always been intrigued and impressed by these performers who you you talk to and they'll say, "Oh, he's a very generous actor," or you know, what's really cool is they're there and anything can happen. It's like completely spontaneous, and I and I kind of would like. You know, look at this and go, God, how do they do that? Because you know, once it's memorized, it's kind of locked in, and and you're doing all this, and it's you know, you're going down by rote, and the scene is structured, you know, blah blah blah, and and yet in life we are constantly surprised, not always pleasantly. You know, we're surprised in many different ways, but but the moment is truly open, and I can't tell you five seconds from now or an hour from now what's going to truly happen, and I could be surprised and delighted, I could be surprised and devastated, but I mean. But what you're talking about to me, what I'm, what I seem to be hearing is, is that this is opening up this opportunity for the actor, if they are completely present, to be surprised in the scene as yeah, they absolutely. are in life, 
and and when they're surprised, they will respond out of that surprise. And that, and that doesn't mean oh shit, you know, kind of thing. It means surprise doesn't have to be you know a look of surprise. You know, it's it's no, it's it's, Maybe it's it's all the things. You know, it's actually it's kids dwell in that world because the the I don't think kids have been imprinted on in that sort of controlled way until they become teenagers through patterns of behavior and through, you know, uh, parents telling them right or wrong or you can't do this or you can't do this or certain actions are punishable and certain actions are rewarded. So they're this, 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 this beautiful example of this open canvas or this just this template that is is uh, sort of worked on and I think you see it with kids playing and and just in the moment and just zigging and zagging and going this way and that way and like animals do that as well I mean it's an example of not carrying what just happened 10 minutes ago into what's happening now and what's interesting is the science also be behind feeling I mean this is a little bit off tangent but no it's the same thing really is that the science behind feeling is you can have a big um, uh, burst of feeling like I could feel anger right now and within 90 seconds the, the, the science of that feeling is completely washed out of my body so it's gone and yet what's interesting is we unlike children or unlike animals we hold on to that so scientifically it's, it's gone from me within 90 seconds but then why am I still carrying that around two years later <laughs> Like, you know, my ex-wife, I can't stand that woman, or, you know, my, but so it's, so again, it's the mental game that we, we end up, that plays us. And so what I'm helping, hopefully not just actors, but other people who will read the book is how do we live more in the moment to moment potential. And what's interesting is as you get older in life, you, you, if you're not conscious of it, you begin to lose that spirited, playful, explorative, curious part of who we are. And But we're all that. That's the childlike nature of who we are. So what you said, surprise, was correct. The surprise is really the delight and the joy and the – and it's sexy and it's dynamic and it's fun and it's it's all the things we thought actually acting was supposed to be. And then somewhere along the line, we got it beaten out of us. Yeah, you're, you're right. You know, it, it, uh, I'm going to venture a couple of things here. One is that uh, your book, absolutely your approach. I think in terms of learning how to live successfully again, not not monetarily, but but uh, being authentic to yourself. Uh, whether you're an actor, a writer, uh, a director, uh, a musician, you know, a potter, whatever you are in a creative thing, it opens you up to to uh, be an open vessel for the creativity in your own life and to and to allow for transformation, allow for surprises and delights. Um, I'm going to offer a politically, you know, an idea in a political, you know, in a sense. It, it doesn't solve anything by saying this, but I think it, it illuminates the some of the issues we face. And that is, I think we've been so socialized and conditioned by our own governments, you know, around the world, wherever we live, to be citizens of a certain form. I asked my son the other day, I said, what do you think would happen if there were no laws? He said, oh, you know, all heck would break. Anarchy, Anarchy. yeah. Yeah, he's eight years old, you know, licentiousness. He's eight years old. And and on the one hand, I'm like, that's good because he's eight years old. I, I guess I want him to think that way somewhat. But at the other hand, I always have thought, you know, if we could just level the playing field, if we just said monetarily, legally, everything, if we took away all the, you know, 
300,000 laws we have in the United States, everybody thinks that this whole country would fall apart. And I go, I don't think it would. And if it did, it would fall apart for a while. And then just like water finding its own level, we'd, we'd come back and we'd start making laws all over again. And, you know, and it would kind of rise up. But maybe we could do it from a clear place as opposed to from mm-hmm. the place of all these laws. I don't, you know, and to be a person who could, I think people fear wild abandonment. You know, if I'm if I'm truly, truly, truly happy, God knows what I would do. You know, maybe I'd run around the streets naked. You know, maybe I would be, you know, sexually unrepressed and I'd be just, you know, this carnivore of sex. I mean, I think that people, the fears, and they're unfounded fears, but I think they're based on on certain foundations that have been principles that we've grown up with and we've been biased with and that we've incorporated, uh, albeit even unconsciously, that we're not aware of it. And so uncovering these kinds of things to allow our, our creativity and our freedom to, to flow and to, to live life authentically is, is, is an immense an immensely wonderful process. It's, it, it del- you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm learning so much from listening to you. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, this is an interesting conversation, isn't it? Because you, we we begin to see that it's, I mean, and what I hope the book is is going to do is that it's so much more than just being an actor or a writer or a director or a, a painter or a musician. That it is about how do we become freed up to live our lives more authentically in all areas of our life. Um, you know, it's interesting what you said about, you know, if we if we had no laws. Like, I mean, I think there has been that argument that, oh, you know, what, it, it would be absolute bedlam. But I actually think it's just the opposite because I think all human beings have a sort of an internal governing principle. And the governing principle is for our higher self, you know. So I think just that part of us that wants to be, you know, leading our lives would would kick in in a way that we wouldn't let rules and laws that are based in fear kind of it counteracts that part of us that has a governing principle if that makes any sense i mean i think that's i found that that's also for me real big work that i do with actors is that they have so many judgments about themselves based on it's not okay for them to to feel this way or it's not okay for them to be sexual or it's not okay for them to uh, express anger or it's not okay for you know women to be strong or it's not okay for men to cry or it's not okay for you know these are all cultural and societal limitations that then have been taken on individually and none of them are true they're not they're just they're not true so it's working through you know to me individual consciousness but also societal and cultural consciousness as well is letting those barriers of expression just let them go that's that's really cool and and i and i got to agree with you i i i think that uh there's the i think from a, a controlling standpoint again i don't want to make this completely political but i but but i think from how we grow up in a society from a controlling standpoint, the notion that, you know, the masses are asses and if, if given their own device they're all gonna be unruly. Um but what you said I think is 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 more to the point and more to the truth, and that is that it's like this, these people who are given, you know, they're paying off other people's layaways at Kmart or wherever. You know, I think that there are a whole lot more people I think people are a whole lot Better, <laughs> yeah. Better. Then we we give credit to, yeah. No, absolutely. And we give credit for it. So if we, if what you said, if all the laws were given away, I think people would actually rise. There would be some maybe who go to the lowest level, but I think most people would rise to a higher standard. 
And the only reason why we don't get rid of all the laws is because we're entrenched in it. It's a machine. It's a you know a monetary financial kind of thing that keeps us dependent on things. And and I don't want to make this a political conversation or anything, but I'm just saying that that the idea being that people can find their own truth and find their own um, way. I love it because it makes it an individual approach. What you said before about the method. If you if you took a college uh, statisticians, you know, and they they. They did the method. They would say, "Well, the method is successful for 6.2 percent of people, and not, you know what I mean? They they they'd all reduce yeah. it down to numbers, yeah. you know. And they and they would miss the fact. They would say, and if you said that the method was the only way to teach acting, then they would say, well, some people could be taught acting, and other people couldn't be taught acting. And of the proportion of people who could be taught, there would be this percentage. I mean, they do that with so many things. When in fact, if you find that individual approach, you find that you can open up." so many more people because you're tailored to where they are and what their needs are and where they can go than trying to fit everybody through some kind of cookie cutter. Well, I actually, you know, think, Rex, too, that that I think people that have accelerated under uh, and, and prospered under the method, let's say, I think they've done so in spite of the method. And so my argument is is that, you know, Marlon Brando or, you know, people who, who have been trained a certain specific one way of doing it, they've actually are not necessarily proponents of the method. They just happen to have an innate natural gift that the, that the method maybe in some way facilitated bringing out, but certainly did not, they were able to, you know, sort of get through it and have those parts of themselves that are unique and interesting and raw and organic not be compromised. And, you know, Marlon Brando even says this, like, I think it, I, I use this example a lot, and on the waterfront, I think uh, Lee Strasberg's wife was asking him, oh, you know, did you use, uh, she was basically asking him, did he use all these exercises that they were doing in class? And he's like, no, it was, it was the, the the climactic scene and it was freezing cold and he said I was cold and I was hungry and I was upset with the director and I was angry and I had been up for 48 hours and I was exhausted and I just used everything. I used everything that I was feeling and that's what I teach and so to me the argument could be had that these great actors that have come out of those programs have come out of those programs in spite of it in spite of the training that often wants to you know rob us of our individuality and make us do it a way, those people still found a way of doing it their way that then is is ascribed to the method. But I don't think it's that at all. I mean, you know, you read Marlon Brando was he's all, he was always about just doing what he wanted to do in the moment. And so uh, I think it's so interesting that you know you know Ryan Gosling is to me a very exciting actor of our generation, and he says that you know it's all me. There is no such thing as character. I use all parts of who I am, and I turn up parts of myself for character and turn down other parts. But he says everybody can learn to act because it's coming from you. And so that's what I teach: is that it's all coming from you. It's how you want to do what you want to do in the situation written by the playwright. So, I mean, you know, those are some, those are interesting, I think, uh, ideas I have about, you know, the method and people who ascribe their success based on it. And, you know, even the, the actors that I work with, the actors, to me, that, that you know, when, actor, when people ask me, well, does somebody have it or what do you do when somebody comes to you who's, you know, not an actor or whatever? And I said, well, that's rubbish because what I'm teaching is, 
everybody is sort of finding the connection to their own self. And when you find who you are, then, of course, you can, quote, unquote, make it because we don't have we don't have you. Like the world already has a Marlon Brando. We don't need another one. He was great, but we don't have you. And so the the, the key is, is if you can learn how to be yourself and be yourself totally, then, of course, there's a place for you in the world as an actor. That's really, really cool. That really is very cool. Well, I hope I talked about that in the book. I don't remember, but I, <laughs> I think I did. I don't know. You'll have to get it and see. Yeah, the book is called At Left Brain Turn Right by Anthony Mindell. Now, let me say, Anthony, again, we've got about five minutes left in this show, and I just want to i want to say I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I hope you come back in, in sometime yes, after. Yes, well, thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. But if you will come back sometime after the first of the year, I know you've got a lot of things going, but if, I'd love to continue the conversation because there's so much more about the experience of writing and directing and producing your own films and working with an actor, you know, actors on set that you know we've, we've talked about covering and stuff. So there's a whole lot more for us to cover, but I have so thoroughly enjoyed uh, listening and and beginning to understand your work and, and you know I, I'm fortunate they don't have the book yet but it's coming out in January and uh, they haven't been able to see the movie or the trailer but I have so I mean I, I feel very privileged in that regard so um, um, well thank you and you know again no sorry go ahead I'm just going to say if you'll come back then uh, we'll let the listeners know when that's going to be and you know yes I would love to do that in the new year and um, uh uh, like I said, if in the interim, if people want to email us right. and get put on a list so that we can, you know, send out an announcement of when these things are being released and that way you won't miss anything, you know, you can email Robin at AnthonyMindle.com. It's R-O-B-I-N at AnthonyMindle, M-E-I-N-D-L, all one word, dot com. And just put, you listen to us on Rex's show and, you know, we'll, we'll, We'll keep you in the loop of when the movie's coming out and the book being published. And I think it's the, the latter part of January. We don't have a specific date yet, but uh, the last part of January. Well, that's very cool. So, yeah, if you're listening to the show today, before you do anything else, email Robin at AnthonyMindell.com. Uh, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, you have about four minutes, actually, three minutes, I guess. Uh, let me just let you have the, the final word about anything that you want to mention. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess, I'll, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure who all your listeners are, if they're mostly actors or they're writers or they're, you know, a, a cross-section of... They are everybody. They're A-list, yeah. uh, movie people, actors, and production people, all the way down to people who are picking up their first camera or entering their first acting class, everybody in between. And then there are fans who who have no business. They're not in the business. They right, they just want to... just like mm-hmm. listening, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing that I would like to just leave people with is I think it's no matter what it is that you're doing that we, you, all of us, we all have an artist we're all an inner artist and I think you want to be creating work that allows that inner artist to be freed up and be expressed and that could be you know writing your own story or writing something that you've always thought 
was a story that spoke something to you or going to take an acting class or going to take a dance class or going to sit in on a cinematography school or I think the thing is is we often discount those urges and instincts and, and promptings within us because the left brain tells us oh you can never do that or you're too old or you have no experience or that's stupid and I just encourage people to discount the left brain noise and in spite of it or just have it and just keep moving forward. I think it's okay to have that stuff. It's never going to fully go away, but I think you can put it in its place and not allow it to stop you from moving forward with what it is that you really want to create. Awesome. Very, very cool. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I do think that too often we stop our own selves when we could keep going. And, yeah. Uh, just say yes, you know, it's what we talked about. It's just saying yes to where, you know, a piece of information you get or somebody asking you to out on a date or to go somewhere or to, to take this class or, you know, you hear yourself saying, I really want to do this, and you you hear yourself say no. What would happen if you just flipped it and said yes and just see where that would take you? Very cool, very cool. All right, Anthony Mindell, thank well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I've learned a lot. I appreciate it so much, and uh, you've been an awesome guest. Have a fabulous holiday and uh, uh, a new year, however you celebrate. And, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. We will. T- I'll talk to you in just a couple minutes, but uh, but uh, enjoy in 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 every which way, and I'm sure you will. Okay. Thank you so much, and thanks to all your listeners for listening in. All right. Thanks, Anthony. That was Mr. Anthony Mindell, uh, acting coach. His book is called At Left Brain Turn Right, and his movie is called Birds of a Feather. You're going to hear more about that in the coming year, uh, in 2012. And so be sure to stay tuned to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, and be sure to visit Anthony at uh, Facebook, uh, both his personal profile, uh, his uh, friends page, uh, anthonymindell.com is the website, Anthony Mindell on Twitter, and uh, and and do and and as he said, you know, email Robin and get put on a list, and you'll find out more about the book and about the movie. Uh, so want to thank him for being here, and uh, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for being a uh, if you're new or if you're uh, old, thank you for supporting us and for friending us and, and for being a listener and for those who tweet and retweet and for those who promote and those who share and those who leave comments, uh, both during the show, before the show, after the show. However you've supported me, in the emails that I get, phone calls, letters, and in person, I so appreciate it. I really, truly do. It is so awesome of you. It's fun. It's a, it's a joy for me to be able to connect you up with people like Anthony and, and all of my guests and and have you listen to them and have them share their expertise with you and so if you're sharing that with other people and you're making that happen and you're connecting other people up to my fabulous guests throughout the years uh, I surely truly do value you and appreciate it and I cannot thank you enough um and, but I do, and my heart goes out to you. Have fabulous, happy holidays and a happy new year. Let's ring in 2012. And may it be a year that goes beyond any of your wildest expectations in terms of the love and the joy and the happiness and the success that uh, you could discover with you and your family and friends. And uh, let me say that you two, again, now the commercial moment, <laughs> become a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat at Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. It's Rex Sykes Movie BT. 
that last word is abbreviated Rexx Movie BT. Please do leave comments at the player. Sometimes the player has to close down right there at Blog Talk before you can see the comment window. But before you leave today, if you're listening live or archived, do leave a comment. Leave comments at uh, at uh, iTunes. Rate and review the shows. It helps extend the reach. Um, of all my listeners. So please keep sharing. Please remember that. We're going to come back, I think, on January 3rd with the next recording live show and uh, and then continue. So everybody have a fabulous day and, again, a fabulous holiday. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that's a wrap.